Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Infertility and Me Podcast. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Monique Farouk, Women Health Advocate, Mom to One IVF Miracle, and your host of Infertility and Me Podcast. I appreciate you for being here, for tuning in, for downloading, for rocking with your girl, and sharing the space with me and our guests and our friends in the community. And today we have Julissa joining us. And she's going to be sharing her story thus far, her diagnosis, and some of the trials and tribulations she's gone through, and as well as her support events that she hosts online, which one will be coming up in the near future, probably November, December. She'll tell us about it more later on in this episode. So thank you, friend, again, for being here. And thank you, Jaleesa, for being here with us and giving us your time today. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's my pleasure, dear. It's my pleasure. Don't be nervous. I know it's late. You had a long (laughs) week. (laughs) Don't be nervous, though. You're doing great. You look great. Fantastic. Um, Jaleesa, I just want to start by asking you how your mental health has been lately with being right in the middle of still trying to conceive and all the things that come along with that. And then we'll get into more of your diagnosis. How are Um, you coping? How have you been coping lately? (laughs) That's a good question. I have days where I feel really good and days where I don't. And I'm also going through infertility, but I also had my miscarriage two years ago. And so I'm grieving my daughter and I'm also grieving like the fertility and going through IVF is like another grief for me because I never thought that I would be doing this or going through this. Um, So I've been working really hard on my mental health. It's been like a main factor for me. Um, I've been like working with therapists, doing yoga, Reiki, like a a lot of stuff that I can incorporate um, because I want to be in a better mindset when I go into my next IVF transfer. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I'm glad that you are doing those things because even in the midst of all this, I feel like those things help bring us balance and help us feel more grounded. And then also just help us, like you said, move through the emotional turmoil that can sometimes come up in our physical bodies. Like we get aches. Have you ever experienced like getting aches and pains after something really bad happens with the cycle or the anxiety starts going crazy and it just it comes out physically I feel sometimes too as well so yeah that's fantastic yeah and so I want to start at the beginning so how did you and your spouse meet how did that all happen so we met so I'm actually from Connecticut and so we met at this store like a retail store and uh, he had been working there for a while and I was supposedly like seasonal worker I was like 19 I want to say and we first just started off as friends we are both into cars we're the car enthusiasts and so we both had the same exact car and he was asking around in the store whose car is that whose car is that and I'm like that's my car who is this weird guy asking me whose car that is and then I don't know we just started off as really good friends and then it turned into a relationship a few months after that and we've been together it'll be 11 years on the 24th. Wow, that's a long time. You guys have run yeah. the storm. 
You guys yeah. have been through it all. Let's see. 11 years ago would have been, what, 2013, 2014-ish? Right. Maybe I have the math wrong, but we started going out 2011. Oh, shoot. Okay. 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 So let's see. So maybe 12 years. It'll be 12 yeah. years, I think. Oh, check us yeah. out. Doing the math. Oh, my God. The math wasn't <laughs> math in four minutes. It wasn't math in. <laughs> it's all good. I do the same thing. I literally, because I met my husband in 09 and we got married mm. in December 2010. So I'm always like, every year, I'm well, like, yeah, once. <laughs> I'm doing it one by one by one. I'm telling you, it's like after 10 years, listen, yeah. it's been a minute. So that's all that matters. Well, it feels Kudos like you guys, yeah. My, it feels like half of my life, really. When you think about it, because <clears throat> I'm not exactly how old you are, but, um, when you spend a vast majority of one period of life, like your twenties or something like with somebody into your mid, like when I met my husband, I was 25, I'll be 40 in October. So it's like, I've, I've met him in the middle of it. And then I've, I've been with him my entire 30. So it's like, I feel like, um, it all just starts to run together after a while, quite honestly, but yeah, you do. Yeah. It does feel that way. Like you spend a lifetime with somebody when you've been with them for at least a decade. So I get it. Totally get it. So how long after you guys started, after you guys got married, actually, and or before you got married, whenever you had a discussion, how long did you guys wait to start trying intentionally, I should say? Yeah. So full disclosure, we weren't using contraception after two years mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. being together. So that, that makes me like 21 or something. But it wasn't until, so we got married in 2015 sorry we got married in 2017 mm -hmm. and that was the time where we're like really thinking about having children and that moment we're really wondering why it's not working why are mm -hmm. we not pregnant why is it taking so long and then i had the year married it's the day after you're married people are already asking you hey when are you having kids and i'm like i've been married for 20 seconds give like, me a second <laughs> A whole minute, okay? Give me a long minute. Maybe even an hour, okay? Because, yeah. And then I was like right before COVID started happening and then it was like election season because I had Omar Jr. in 2017, January 2017. And so he was actually born on inaugural Friday that year. <laughs> you can mm. believe it. But so there was a lot going on in the world. Like who the hell? <laughs> give me a second. Give me a minute. I totally get it. And our friends do to listening and watching on the tube, did you initially express your thoughts to your OBGYN and then he or she recommended that you go see a fertility specialist or had you, you didn't have a diagnosis that you knew of, right? Prior to any of you, got, uh, any time during your trying to conceive intentionally started? No, I, I did like my yearly OB exams, but I didn't think anything was wrong with me. A year after we got married, that's when I started doing the infertility like testing where I went to an actual infertility clinic and I got everything checked, my tubes, my uterus, my ovaries, got everything checked and I was diagnosed with unexplained infertility. And then they just kept, you know, they just told us to just keep trying. And then it turned into seven years of us still trying and still trying and so once we moved here to florida i saw another ivf doctor and he did a sperm analysis on my husband and that's when they diagnosed us or diagnosed him with 
male factor infertility mm-hmm. antibodies in his sperm. Mm. Oh, wow. which i really wish they would have told us like six years ago that would have been real nice yeah so when before you guys had moved to the east coast then they hadn't tested his sperm quality at the time so they tested his sperm when we were living in connecticut they tested his sperm but they didn't test antibodies in his sperm they tested like the mobility and the this and the that but they didn't test him specifically for antibodies that's what they did when we moved here to Florida. And then that's when they told us he has 99% antibodies in his sperm. Wow. Wow. So that gives us 1%. Yeah. Yeah. It was shocking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very shocking. I'm sure. And nobody, he didn't recall anyone in his family having a similar issue, like a genetic thing going on or anything. I've heard some men say that maybe, immediate family has had similar issues but he didn't have anything going on like that so what i know about the antibodies that i don't think it's genetic it may be Mm -hmm. but for him it wasn't genetic it was like a traumatic event that occurred when he was a child gotcha okay i have heard of that i didn't know what the correct term was though okay so it's called so the traumatic nature of the injury causes the antibodies okay All right. I'll look more into it too. Interesting. Yeah. It's just like, basically like in layman's term, it just means that you have like your sperm is attacking your sperm. And then Mm -hmm. so they like cancel each other out. And so nothing works. I see. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So they're basically attacking one another. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Wow. So devastating. And I'm, um, I want to go back to your miscarriage. You you mentioned earlier that you endured two years ago and and give my condolences to you guys and my sympathies for that. I don't want to glance over that. And so at this point, I'm sure you guys needed a lot of time to process it and to figure out what you wanted to do and how you wanted to move forward. How long did you wait to go back or return to see about your options for the next steps? So January 2021, that's when I did my first round of IVF, where we like all the embryos and all that stuff. And I had my miscarriage in May of 2021. And it took me really like almost a year to get blood work done to see what happened. So you have that miscarriage panel, whatever it's called. Yeah, where they just test everything like that could have gone wrong, which... I really feel like they should test that before you do IVF. It's not like you're paying $15,000 for no reason. But so, yeah, it took me a year because it was really hard just leaving my house. It was just really hard just thinking of what the problem was going to be or why it happened. I just didn't want to feel anything really at the moment. So then I got blood work done a year later, and it turns out that I had, I have antiphospholipid syndrome, which is a blood disorder. And there are different types of antiphospholipid syndrome. And I couldn't tell you, I couldn't say the name of the one that I have because it's it's like a long, complicated name. I couldn't tell you how to say it. But apparently this blood disorder attacks, it causes blood clots in the placenta leaving Mm. your fetus with not enough nutrients to survive Mm. and so that's what they say could have caused my um 
miscarriage. I also did have a fibroid while I was pregnant, and I sometimes feel like that really could have been the reason why I had a miscarriage. Um, yeah. The world of miscarriages and stuff, it's a lot of guessing as to yeah. what happened. Yeah. I was trying to think of the correct word or terminology I could use to describe it while you were talking. It was coming to me and it's almost, I feel like miscarriage is like this blanket term, but it's not the root cause of it all. Like when you see the umbrella and there's all these branches under it or smaller umbrella and it's okay, this is miscarriage. But then there's all this other ish underneath of it. That's really what the root cause and can explain further what happened. And unfortunately, moms and dads like you guys don't always get the answers that you're looking for. So how did you feel getting the blood disorder diagnosis, despite knowing that fibroids also could have been a culprit or the combination of the two? So I learned all of this all at the same time that I had, that my doctor implanted an embryo knowing that I had a fibroid. And after doing some research, like I've been told that fibroids causes, it takes a lot of nutrients as well and it sucks up a lot of blood and that's why it gets bigger and all that. And that could have been the source of it. And I was very angry with my doctor. I was very angry with, why did you do the implantation knowing that I had a fibroid? And he told me that it wasn't in the location where the implantation was. And I just feel like that's just not a good excuse if you see something there, if you see an abnormality in your uterus, there shouldn't be, you shouldn't continue to implant. And then with the blood disorder, I'm just, like I said before, you should have tested for all of this stuff ahead of time. Don't assume that my blood is okay. Don't assume that we're obviously doing IVF. We're doing infertility services because we need we haven't been able to get pregnant. We need your help and we need you to check for everything. So I was mm-hmm. like very pissed off. And mm-hmm. I think to this day, like it's definitely caused a lot of medical trauma because it's like, how can I believe, how can I believe what you're saying is true? How can I believe you have the best interest for me? Mm-hmm. Did it almost feel like a betrayal? Would you say it felt like a betrayal in a way too? It just felt lack of care or not trying hard enough, or like I wasn't worth the time. It just felt like a lot of different things. Come on, you know why I'm here. Don't waste each other's time. Yeah, I feel like they definitely should have encouraged getting that fibroid removed. I don't understand either, and I can understand why you were so frustrated and angry. And it wasn't until, so I got it removed by my OB, and then... Uh, a few months after he the OB didn't remove all of the fibroid so then a few mm-hmm. months after then my IVF doctor went and removed the rest that's why it took us almost two years to do a, a frozen embryo transfer because you know you have you do the surgery and then you heal and then I had another surgery and then I healed and mm-hmm. so it was just a lot of back and forth and there were a lot of other factors too that led to then I had hypothyroidism and then mm-hmm. I was extremely anemic and so you got to fix all of those problems before you start IVF it's been yeah. a it's long a ride. ride yeah it's yeah. a ride it's a ride when so how are how do you know how they would prepare you for another round of treatment 
with having the fibroid and the blood disorder or have you had your fibroid taken care of since then? Yes, knock on wood to this day. I don't have any fibers in my uterus as of two months ago. You don't mm-hmm. know what could happen in two months is how now my brain processes things. And then with the blood disorder, once you are pregnant, once you are definitely pregnant, and you, the procedure that they would do would be, I would have to do a low heparin injection, which is like an anticoagulant, like Lovenox. Mm-hmm. And you would take that on a daily basis. And that's mm-hmm. supposed to help not for your blood not to clot. And okay. so you would take that every single day. And then I believe even after three months, you give birth. So you don't get any blood clots. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Especially if you're given a natural uh, birth and sometimes being on the laying down for long periods. Yeah. That makes total sense. I was just curious if it was something like an anticoagulant that would have to be performed or given or self-medicating and such at home too for it. So that makes a lot of sense. So where, where are we now? I know you said offline that you are getting ready to prepare for possible new IVF cycle and you have been taking care of your mental and spiritual health to prepare, to heal and to just live life despite all of this. And so was it hard making a decision to go back to seek treatment, more treatment that is? Yeah. And I'm currently working with my therapist because I realized that I have been very busy with my life, not thinking about IVF because I took off, like I took three months off of IVF um, and Mm -hmm. I just left it in the back of my head and I just been focusing on like school and work and stuff. And so with IVF now I realize that it's very triggering it's a very triggering conversation for me and I didn't realize that until my therapist brought it up and she was like Mm -hmm. so what do you think about like IVF in two months and I'm like man I totally forgot I was doing IVF in two months because I've been so busy with everything else and I like, I felt it in my body. Like I started like getting hot and like mm. my mind started racing and I was like, I get like this very anxious feeling in my body. Mm-hmm. Just a reminder that I have to do IVF. The reminder of taking those progesterone shots. I hate them so much. Like just yeah. knowing that I have to go through this process all over again is very triggering. And I haven't, I don't think... I don't know if I ever will, but I haven't been able to get to the that mind space that I want to get when I did my very first IVF transfer. I felt like this like naive, like beautiful butterfly, like just mm-hmm. chilling, doing IVF. And now it's like this, I got a broken wing and mm-hmm. it's just like really hard for me to just go into it hopeful and optimistic now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you speak about the anxiety that you feel when you start to think about all the shots, the medications, how they, how your body also responds hormonally to those things, which can have, can increase anxiety and such. And what do you, I'll ask it like this. What do, how do you believe you'll cope? 
Or how are you working with your therapist moving into the holiday season too? Have you found that to be triggering times in the past? Yeah. Yeah. Holidays are triggering for me. And I, I did this. I recorded myself throughout the holidays last year through, mm-hmm. during the day. So I think it was, it was Christmas Day I recorded myself and I woke up okay. I woke up fine. And then later the day goes on and you know, I start thinking and I start processing and then it just, the day just gets worse and worse. So holidays are not the best for me. But I'm just like, I, even though I like have this difficult relationship with like manifestation and affirmations, it's the only thing mm-hmm. that really keeps me going through the IVF cycle. My therapist is making like this survival guide, like an IVF survival guide for me. Mm. So I can always like pick up those self-care tips or pick up those resources that I need when I'm feeling anxious, when I know I need to ground myself because I'm very self-aware of my body now and my thoughts. But there are times where I forget what to do and I forget to process my feelings. So... Mm. Mm. Yeah, I I like that you have been working towards being more consciously aware of how you're feeling in your body in a moment, right? Because for you, like many and unlike so many others, but at the same time, many people do relate to you and that they keep themselves busy. I I was a busy body too. Like (laughs) I was going to do something. I was not just going to sit there and do nothing and think about this most or one of the most depressing times of my life. So I I understand and I get it. And did, do you fear, I'll ask this too, do you fear because they're talking about COVID again? I know you're in Florida. They move a little different down in Florida with the <laughs> shutdowns and stuff like that. I have family. They don't move at all. And <laughs> they don't do nothing. Okay. So I was just wondering, do you fear moving into IVF again and then the possibility of COVID coming? Did you get COVID the first time that came around? I did. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, we did last summer. It took us a long time to get it, but we got it. But do you fear moving into IVF as well with COVID and the resurgence of, uh, not resurgence, but the, whatever the hell this variant is called. What is it called? Delta? Yeah. Delta coming in and yeah, I don't even know what the new one is called, but they're telling us to get the shot though, right? But yeah, that's another story for a different day. Do you fear going into IVF though um, and having to worry about the actual layer of of health issues that's running vamp, uh, rampant right now, along with all the other things too. Honestly, I feel like with all of my trauma, the last thing I thought of was mm-hmm. COVID really, you know, I'm thinking like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking more like I was very suicidal with birth control. Am I going to be suicidal again? Were you? I was. Yeah. Okay. And I'm thinking like these progesterone shots, like, my butt was tore up. I'm thinking more about like, mm. how can I better do these injections? I'm thinking more of IVF stuff. Cause mm-hmm. so I did, we did IVF January, 2021, which was like prime COVID time. And we were like literally wearing masks and I got COVID October, 2020, November ish, mm-hmm. 2020. And I was like, I had really bad, I was like, COVID was so bad. I was like almost mm. getting over it. And then, and then we're doing IVF. And because I already had it at that time, I guess I wasn't that word because that was that time where they were like, yeah, you could like have COVID for, you won't get it for six months or something like that. Mm-hmm. They were saying back mm-hmm. then. So I wasn't worried about that. And now they bring it up. It's still not something that worries me because I still feel like 
there's still there's like a long laundry list of things that can Other go things. wrong like my uterine lining there's just like a laundry list of and i focus more on like that stuff instead of the covid yeah <clears throat> yeah i only mentioned it because i saw a commercial and was reading articles earlier about it and they were talking about women who are might be in early pregnancy or might be already pregnant and i'm like oh my god i'm thinking about everybody community here we go and f again hopefully it won't be as bad as the last time and that things can precautionary measures can be taken but and when do you guys hope to start your next treatment cycle is it later on this year or the beginning of the year supposed to be next month i started like the birth control process and then i believe the transfer will be in november Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I hope to be pregnant for you. Yeah. by Christmas. I hope to have my Christmas miracles. Like when I, I went on the walk this morning and I was just thinking about IVF and I was like, I just hope I get my Christmas miracle. That's mm-hmm. all I really want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you find helping you with, through emotionally besides your therapist and all the, the things that you do for your well-being with the help of professionals, do you find that staying busy with work and school also helps you cope with again, not having to think about trying to conceive all the time and reminding you of your of your medical conditions and your husband's medical condition and such too. Yeah. Yeah. A million percent. I'm going to school to be a social worker because I want to be a licensed therapist. Okay. And I'm learning a lot about like reflective listening and like awareness and um, mental health, self-care, support, resources, a lot of stuff. And so I think that's what where I've been focusing on because I like want to make the world a better place. I want to help mm-hmm. like all these moms that have better grieving and all these moms doing IVF and all these things. I feel like I, with my experience with everything that I've been through I opened a book and I'm starting like just to just focus on how to support others how to be there for everyone else that I really I'm learning a lot about myself and I'm a completely different person than I was before uh, Mm -hmm. my daughter passed away and I'm, I'm grateful for who I am now and it's just been helpful for me to be able to connect better with people I don't know why I didn't ask this earlier, but how far along were you when you lost her? I was five months. Five months. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Had you been in the hospital in preterm labor or anything prior to her actual giving birth no. and then having um, your farewell tour? I went to an appointment, like a routine checkup, and they just... It t- they did the fetal Doppler and then they did this ultrasound machine and they couldn't find her heartbeat. And so they just checked. They said, let's just do the real ultrasound. And then that's when they confirmed that she didn't have a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. I'm so sorry for you guys' loss. Did you have any sort of bleeding? What were the telltale signs that something was going on? Did you have pain? I, so actually like eight weeks or eight to nine Mm -hmm. weeks, I had a bad hemorrhage. I thought I was having miscarriage, but I went to my IVF doctor because I didn't really just, I haven't graduated yet. And when I was eight weeks, I like stood up from my kitchen table and I just like bled really bad, bled. So I called my IVF doctor and he saw me 
that same 20 minutes later. He's across the street from me. So I ran across the street with my husband and they said that she still had a heartbeat. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. They said, and I had a hematoma. The hemorrhaging was like a hematoma. It was yeah. like this. It was like mm-hmm. so tiny, this tiny. And then I graduated and I went to my OB for, I think it was 12 weeks. And I had mm-hmm. another, that same exact day, I had another hemorrhaging, massive mm-hmm. hemorrhaging that same day. And when I had my ultrasound, the hematoma took up most of most my of uterus. Wow. And then the doctor, that OB said that I was probably going to have a miscarriage pretty soon, that I was actually having a missed miscarriage and I was a centimeter dilated and all this stuff and then it wasn't I actually didn't even have a miscarriage until like when I was 20 weeks Mm -hmm. wow wow was she still measuring was she measuring at 20 or was she measuring possibly from weeks ahead and it just took a while for things to escalate so to speak oh no she the last time I actually saw her at an ultrasound was Cinco de Mayo of 2021 that's how i remember it i was at mfm appointment and that's when they did like the whole anatomy scan and okay they said just to keep monitoring i bled like throughout my whole entire pregnancy mm-hmm. and that's probably was another reason okay. too why she passed was because of the hemorrhaging and yeah i don't wow <clears throat> When did you start school for social work? When I want to go back to that too. When did what point did you start going to school for social work to be get to move into the fast tracking of becoming a therapist? Was it before you got pregnant? Had you already started school? No, for years I've been telling myself, girl, go back to school, mm-hmm. go get your degree. I've been wanting to be a therapist for a long time. But it took, I guess it took all of this to happen. I'm on my, I'm on my, in my third semester. I started school sometime like in the middle of last year. Okay. 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 So you would say that more so your experience with your loss and then having an infertility diagnosis led you into pursuing it more passionately and really just going for it and saying, this is the time. Now is the time. Yeah. yeah. My therapist, it was like, it was my second therapist that really was like encouraging me to go. And I was like, but I can't afford it. And that's the reason why I didn't go that one time because I couldn't afford it. A master's program, it's a lot of money. You don't get no grants, no financial help, nothing like that. And so right. I was finally like, I just can't keep like putting that on hold. Like it's something that I want to do and like, I'm never going to have the money, never. <laughs> and so I don't want to stop that from not, from me not doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I understand. I understand <laughs> completely. It definitely is expensive as hell. And <laughs> I know that not for personal reasons, but for watching other people do it in my family and friends and stuff. And it's a hell of a cost here in the U.S. to go to school for higher education, unfortunately. But yeah. I'm glad that you decided to do it. And and at what point in your studies did you decide that you wanted to start hosting your own online events in support of, but not a support group? We're going to make that clear, okay, y'all? It's not a support group, but Jaleesa hosts virtual events periodically for lost moms and those in the fertility community. So when did that idea strike for you? 
I was talking to another lost mom and she was basically asking like, what's missing from this community? And I thought like, I've used this sort of platform mm-hmm. before where a lot of it's like entrepreneur women come together. And so I felt like there's a lot of mothers that are grieving who aren't receiving the support that they have been looking for, or they didn't think that they would receive after their loss. And so I thought mm-hmm. this is like the perfect platform so I could have a lot of moms come together, get that connection and be able to talk about their babies without any judgment. And because I didn't receive support after my daughter passed, I really wanted to get all of these women together and give them like what I didn't have. Mm -hmm. I think it was was earlier this year where I implemented it and the events are every other month Mm -hmm. and we get about 80, like 75 to 80 women register and it's free. So I also wanted to, because wanted to make it beneficial for literally yeah. everyone, it doesn't matter. Like I wanted to make it as diverse as possible. And so with that, I do everything on my own. I set everything up and tomorrow we're actually having our fourth event. And we always have a speaker and each speaker mm-hmm. talks about a topic that's very beneficial for grief. Like it has anything to do within loss, within grief. And it's just like a place where you find guidance and you find support. And we also have this section where it's almost like a speed dating where you can meet one-on-one with a mom, talk for a few Mm -hmm. minutes, go to the next person, talk for a few minutes and just keep going. Or you have the option of just being in the session where you can learn about, like tomorrow we're talking about toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. And so you can sit there and talk about that. And then we also do like a group session Mm-hmm. If you're interested at the Wonderful. end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of little things implemented in one platform. And I just really just wanted to make sure that there are moms out there that know that they're not alone. And we provide this like confidential, like beautiful space for you to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I love that. What's the name of your support event? So it's called the Lost Mama Connection event and it's virtual and it's always 7 p.m. Eastern time. So I know it's like not the perfect time because I have, I talk to a lot of moms that live in the UK, Europe and stuff and it's Mm -hmm. 3 a.m. for them and I feel so bad, but I can do it. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So where can we find you online I'll ask you that later I'll cut that out I didn't edit it I'll edit that part out but what would you tell a new lost mom or newly diagnosed woman or male or by non-binary in the infertility community if they were like girl how do you do it what is a word that you tell have them, for me I don't no I'm just kidding <laughs> no um honestly I really want I for some reason I've been focusing on like speaking about how grief really changes throughout time grief has many faces it has many Mm. different layers to it and your grief is going to be the worst the very worst day one And I feel like it's you do what you want with your grief. And 
you you will learn so much about yourself throughout the years and I feel like it's important to be gracious with yourself because not every day is going to feel the same and like myself I judge myself for crying every single day for not getting over it which you're not going to get over it it's just you're you're going to learn how to manage it how to cope with it and how to guide yourself through this life after loss because it's just going to be it's going to be hard but if you have that support and this community provides so much support i just think you're not alone and i think that's important mm-hmm. to know that you're not alone in this absolutely i concur and i agree and that's 100 and that's facts it's all the things <laughs> okay you guys you're not freaking alone in any of this or any other part of your life at, for that matter, which we do find, I'm sure, in your support events. And then things that I have noticed as well, talking to people, is that once you start opening up about one thing, then we get into conversations about all these other aspects of our lives that kind of just mm-hmm. intertwine uh, with what we're going through, especially when you're speaking about grief and the layers of it. And you know, there's so many layers to it. And when you think you've no longer been triggered by one thing, something else comes along and it just seems like you're back five steps. And so mm-hmm. yeah. definitely check in with Julissa and her support events and follow her online. So now I will ask you, what's your IG handle so we can follow you online and keep up to date when you have your events on a monthly basis? So my Instagram is at rainbow manifestations with an S at the end. And I always leave the registration link in my bio. Wonderful. Very easy. Very simple, y'all. Okay. <laughs> Don't be freaking lazy. Go <laughs> and follow Julissa if you're not already online. I'm sure we have some friends that listen that already follow you. And then you guys can just tap the bio, register, get connected, get the support and help that you need. And I'm sure as Julissa continues in her master's studies of social work and so that she can become a therapist, she'll have plenty more resources for you guys. And if she can't do it herself, she knows somebody that knows somebody. Thank you, Julissa. I know it's late. Oh, I you. know you're tired and you have much to do in the next coming days, but I appreciate you for sharing this vulnerable time in your life um, and past with the loss of your baby girl. And yeah, I just appreciate you for giving us your time this evening, dear. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I love talking about my daughter, so I don't mind. Good. I'm glad that I got you on a good day where you weren't feeling too heavy. I'm always nervous. You guys think you're nervous. I get nervous having to talk to you guys, and I know you're still in the midst of all of this stuff and the emotional turmoil of your grief and frustrations with infertility and just... It just fucking sucks, okay? Let's just be honest about it. I definitely don't take it for granted when you guys give me your time. I'm trying to be serious, but it's not working. But Uh, thank you, (laughs) Julissa. And thank you, friends. Y'all know where to find me on the Graham Infertility and Me podcast for fertility-related content, staying up to date with uh, podcast episodes, as well as any events that I host as well, locally in DMV. And then also follow on or subscribe on the Tizube, okay? YouTube, that is at Infertility Amy podcast. Until next time, friends, peace and blessings. Hey, friend, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Infertility Amy podcast. You can connect with me and other members in the community on Instagram at 
Infertility Amy Podcast and or watch on YouTube at Infertility and Me Podcast. You can also email me at infertilityandme at outlook.com for a chance to record and help in the stigmas surrounding infertility so that we can reach more friends who may be silently suffering. Until next time. <laughs>